Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's live. I hope you are all doing wonderful out there. Uh, so today's topic I was thinking about is going to be on emotional addiction and emotional resilience. So how do I pick the topics? Um, there are just so much that we can continue to have conversation on these, you know, the soul talks, the healing and navigating our emotional world. How I pick the topic is what shows up many times uh, in my practice with my clients. Few things that show up and I'm thinking that it would be good to have a conversation about it to have a greater, clearer understanding. So that's how I pick a topic. And again, our inner emotional psyche, our world is so complex. One scenario, does not fit everyone. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's experiences are different. So this is, you know, I'm just offering you my perspective, my understanding and my um, expertise in my practice and in the field um, and see if that runs true for you or not. So let's talk about emotional addiction. You know, just the word itself, addiction, is it is a negative connotation to it with obvious reasons. But when we are, you know, when we are talking about addiction, we're talking about not just to substances or um drugs or things like that, we can all be addicted to one thing or the other. And, you know, the truth is, I learned that addiction is a norm. I may be addicted to uh, my own routine. When it kind of goes out of order, it's, it doesn't bring the pleasant result. So we can be addicted to coffee, we can be addicted to certain, you know, things or people. So I want you to broaden the understanding of what addiction is. So in my understanding, addiction is a norm. <laughs> it's what is that addiction bringing for you? If whatever it is bringing for you, is that desirable or not desirable? And we want to think long-term. Many times we get a desirable uh, outcome temporarily at the expense of causing long-term damage. And here I'm talking about substance abuse and things like that. So, so let's just, you know, keep the, the addiction, not don't get uh, triggered by it. Uh, it just, it's, it's just our behaviors and patterns and it's really a human condition. And it actually gives us a deeper insight into our own making and how we can create our inner world, how we can, how we can be the creators of that, what we want to experience. So when, if we grow up in an unpredictable, unsafe or chaotic environment, um, our body gets addicted to experiences of fear, um, anxiety, overwhelm, shame, things like that. 
So, and we are built, we are created so brilliantly that regardless of the adversities that we go through, we figure out a way to cope. So in order to cope with these kind of unsafe environments, we find a way to cope. We find a way to cope with this perhaps by thinking this is the norm or perhaps talking ourselves out of feeling what we actually feel and thinking this is a normal way of living. And when we are in any particular environment, it's, it's fascinating how we can pinpoint or pick the same environment perhaps with our friends or in the world. An example would be if, you know, we're having sleep issues. It's a very mild example. We're having sleep issues. And then we think that it's okay. You know, I've talked to my family. I talked to my sister, my neighbors. Everybody has sleep issues. So it's okay. So I don't have to do anything about it. It may not be a perfect example, but you get the point. So it's fascinating that when we are going through something, we find a match in the external world to make us feel this is normal, this is okay. So we normalize it and we uh, come up with many ways to cope with our predicament, our situation, and we take that to be the norm and life goes on. What happens as we, um, you know, become adults and we get into adult relationships, create our own life, these, these way of normalizing chaos becomes, uh, it shows up like this. We may create uh, crisis situations. Everything can become a drama everything can become a big deal. Um, we, we attract to us dramas and relationships that are connected because of the drama or the crisis. Our relationships, our adult relationships may be, we are connected to this family member because there's always a crisis going on with them. We are really good friends with this uh, friend because we can gossip and talk about how horrible life is, right? And so even though these kind of things bring us suffering, but we are not realizing this. When we take this way of living to be the norm, then we're not looking, we don't understand anything other than so we may not even be suffering, but we are suffering, but we're not conscious of it. We think this is just the way. And, you know, along the line, there's always a wake-up call. The higher self always creates a situation. So we wake up and we begin to notice what's going on so we can heal it. But many times we miss the clues. We miss the wake-up call. Okay? So when we are recreating, we are actually subconsciously recreating and recreating the same scenarios. We are recreating a crisis. We are recreating a drama. We are recreating the problems so we can remain 
comfortable. Familiarity brings comfort, even though it makes us suffer. What's familiar is comfortable because we know how to be there. We know how to do it. Okay. And this, this actually kind of that addiction to that kind of a comfort is very appealing to the point that we sabotage. We deliberately self-sabotage ourselves so we can stay in the same old predicament. Again, this is not at the conscious level. This is at the subconscious level. So as I mentioned earlier, our subconscious is, think of that as a garbage bin. Any experience in life, which we don't know what to do with, we don't metabolize them. They just naturally go into the, go into their subconscious garbage bin. As children, how in the world would we know how to deal with unsafe environment? When we begin to normalize it, we won't even know it's unsafe until we see the other side of it, right? So, and even as adults, so much we go through on a day-to-day -day basis, we don't know what to do with it. You know, somebody flicks us on the, on the road, in the road, we don't know what to do with it. We either try to avoid that person or we flick them back. And But that's a mental way of handling things. Experience in the body has already taken place. So that's where the, the self-sabotage, recreating, recreating, recreating our own predicament. It keeps us in this perpetual cycle of suffering. And I think that is the biggest um, cause, biggest reason why we don't heal. Because we don't know how to step out of the cycle. We don't even recognize the cycle. We think it is how life is. It's how everyone is. This is, this is, this is what it is. Even if we come to the realization that we are suffering, we talk it out of thinking, well, I'm just doomed. That's just my life. My parents live that way. I'm just doomed. Nothing good happens to me. I'm not good enough. And, you know, those people who are happy over there, they're like a different class altogether. So I am not that. I'm never going to be, you know, I have people coming to me saying, I can't meditate. My mind never stops. They forget that everybody, everybody's mind is works the same way. My mind never stops either. You train the mind. So... Or they'll say, well, I don't want to do yoga. I don't, they have a, a, a misconception about it. I don't want to do yoga because I can't slow down. <laughs> and even, you know, so there's so much, um, you know, misconception. And when something is unfamiliar, we come up with all kinds of reasons. We make up all kinds of stuff. It sounds really rational because, remember, our mind is powerful. We can make our mind believe anything. And we can present an argument for it. So it's, ration, it's rational. It's believable. I don't have to now do anything about it. So that's one of the reasons why people never, why we do not heal is um, because of the familiarity and we have never seen any other way of being. So, you know, my experience has been that in this universe, 
if you, you know, believe in that higher power, your higher self, there are so many opportunities for us to wake up to the reality of our life. The universe, our life presents our, our opportunities again and again and again. So an example is that when we continue to recreate our own, that perpetual cycle of suffering on the higher self is recreated for you. So we can perhaps look at it again and look at it differently and heal from it. But when we don't know that, we don't, when we don't know why we continue to repeat, one of the reasons is so we can see it now differently and we can heal. When we don't know that, we get caught in that cycle of suffering. So it's, it's, it's important to know that whatever happens to us, whatever we go through, ask yourself this question, is there a reason? Is there a bigger reason that I am not aware of? Why have I been suffering for, you know, X number of years? Why does the same thing continues to happen to me? Is there a bigger reason? Is there a reason? Just asking a little bit bigger question is going to clue us into that, ah, maybe, maybe there's more to see. Maybe there's more available for me to see. Maybe if I see that, maybe if I, um, you know, look into it and see it and heal it, this pattern is going to stop. Right. So that's important to know that whatever happens to us, whatever, whatever, whatever life presents to us, ask yourself a bigger question. Why? Am I have I am I being asked to see something different? Who am I asked to be? What am I asked if this when this continues to repeat? What am I asked to do here? I guarantee you that when you ask that bigger question, you're going to get more insight into the situation. So that's one thing. Second uh, thing that comes to my mind about the, the emotional addiction. So any even, and you know, I've also known, and I may have even done that myself, we create scenarios, we imagine scenarios. We fantasize about scenarios that bring us grief and suffering. I'm being the, the youngest of 11 children. I think I do remember that I would imagine <laughs> that I am the orphan. I used to ask my mom, you still, you sure you gave birth to me? Like, how did you even take care of me? I was the 11th child. How did you have time for me? So there was that generation gap and not knowing where I fit in. Am I the child or the grandchild? So I started to imagine that I am I'm the orphan. This family adopted me. And that brought forth a lot of pain. So this pain I bring with me after doing a lot of work into the past lives from prior lives, born into a situation where I would feel this way so that pain would come to surface so I could heal it. So we do create all kinds of things, stories in our head so that pain can surface. Okay, 
Um, so in, you know, if, if, you know, in your life, if you're listening to this, what is true, what holds true for you? How is uh, your environment in the childhood? How is that playing a role in the life that we are living today? And the same holds true for the opposite. If we grow up in an environment which is safe, which is warm, um, and supportive, we create that in our life. We experience that, you know, unless something else happens. But what I've noticed that there's never, a, it's never a black or white. Nobody I know that has had such a perfect uh, childhood. There's always something. There's always something because we're human beings. When parents are raising their children, they leave a handprint on them. They can't help it. It's not by purpose. It's they leave their hand marks. They leave their imprint on the children. The you know even the well-intentioned parent can cause um, harm to their children because of generation gap, because of where they're coming from, and how the child is perceiving. So there's no black and white. There's no childhood that's perfect, and there's no childhood that's absolutely absolutely horrific even when i you know work with my clients i've heard the most horrific stories that you can imagine but there's always one thing there's always one thing that they had that was joyful that was wonderful whether it was imaginary whether they, there was a neighbor, whether it was a friend, whether no matter how the parents were, they always did that one nice thing. So it's just, you know, it always reaffirms my belief that we're not here to suffer. The creator did not create us so we can come here and suffer. So even in the most horrific situations, there's always a little ray of light that we can hold on to. So we can endure the suffering. So it's never a black and white scenario. So we've always experienced something in our childhood that plays out, plays out in our adult life that we may want or we may not want, right? So asking the bigger question, why is this repeating? What am I asked to see? What am I asked to be? What am I asked here? Asking these couple of bigger questions is going to give you a deeper insight into what's going on. So, and that, um, you know, brings me, brings me to another topic, which is, you know, emotional resilience or emotional immunity, since immunity has been a big topic in the last couple of years. So emotional immunity. Um, I want to clarify it because, uh, Emotional resilience can be thought of as emotional unfeeling or always being neutral. No matter what happens around me, I am just not affected. Is that true for you? No matter if there's chaos around me, whatever is around me, I never get angry. I never get um, upset. I never get disappointed. I never get happy either. I'm just kind of in the neutrality position. 
so we want to see, is it, are you really being neutral or are you being closed off? That's where the confusion is. We think that we should always be emotionally calm and neutral. I don't think, I don't see that as true, as to be true. The reason why we want that is because there's so much stigma around being emotional. Because when we react out of emotions, it's considered a bad thing because it causes upheaval around you. But there's such a thing as responsive. So when we are thinking that emotional neutrality means feeling nothing, what happens is we feel all kinds of things. We shut down to it. We talk ourselves out of feeling what we are feeling. Haven't you had any situations in life where when you really should be enraged, you're not? So being enraged and acting out of rage are two different things. I can have a conversation with you and tell you that I am absolutely enraged at so many things that are happening in the world. It actually boils my blood. As opposed to if I act out of rage and start maybe making political posts or attacking other people. These are two different things. But I am not going to tell you, oh, I'm not enraged at all. Everything, I'm just okay with everything that's happening. Hell no. I'm not okay. So when we are thinking we want to be emotionally resilient, do we say, oh, it's really okay? I mean, do we not acknowledge what we feel? So becoming emotionally resilient, it does not mean we don't feel what we feel. We don't naturally have to act out of our feelings. We have to understand what we feel. We have to understand where we're coming from. We have to understand our own emotionality. When we understand that and when we can be with it, there's no reason to attack anybody with it. The reason why we end up emotionally reacting because we never really quite understood what it is that we are feeling and somebody triggers us a little and we just blow the top off. But if we take the time to understand, it's like, oh, what is it that I'm really feeling? What I'm feeling about so many social issues happening in the world that have been happening for the last two years enraged at many, many things. I'm not going to tell you everything is okay. It is not. So we have to feel what we feel, but we don't have to involve other people in our feeling of it. 
I think that there's um, hmm, there is this um, there's a fine line between expressing what you feel and when other people are involved. If if the somebody somebody else has done something to you think they've done something to upset you. Um, do we so quickly express it to them and then create this war? Or do we take a moment to understand what it is that we're feeling? So I say, take a moment to understand what it is that you're feeling. So you can actually have a conversation, an emotionally intelligent conversation, instead of an emotional outburst, which ends up hurting both people. So emotional resilience actually comes from the ability to be in touch with your emotions, feeling what you feel, acknowledging what you feel, and not talking yourself out of feeling it. We talk ourselves out of feeling it because we think if we expressed it to someone else, we're going to be in trouble. So, like I mentioned before, your emotional responses are yours for introspection. You don't need to express it to anyone else. It's your stuff. Once you understand it, there's a communication if you want a communication. But we don't need to go out and express it to someone else. But we have to understand what it is that we're feeling. We have to know what it is that we are feeling. And then we can go deeper into that. There's a whole process. Um, but it's definitely not pretending we're not feeling what we're feeling. That's not emotional resilience. That's being emotionally numb. That's closing yourself up. That's like, you know, when I've heard the saying that you have become like steel. The pain is so much that you have become steel or create a heart wall around you. That's not going to work in the long run. So, and that, because many times the, the, the depth and the intensity of the emotions is so much, is so painful that maybe for a shorter period of time, we may have to close ourselves from it until we are ready to deal with it. But we, we have to stay with it ourselves. It's not, it doesn't belong to anyone else. Our emotions are not here to burn others, even though we may believe that others have caused them. They're still yours. Nobody can cause us to feel anything without our permission. We feel what we feel based on what, where we're coming from. We have filters. The filters are made up of our own experiences that we have not healed. So two people experiencing or witnessing a same situation can have a different result. How is that? Why so? It's because everybody has different experiences. So to become emotionally resilient, we have to be willing to feel deeply what we feel. It's the opposite to what one might think, right? And as far as emotional neutrality, 
you know, it's it's one thing to you know to to be emotionally neutral if you are navigating something between two parties. But if something is directly happening to me and it's painful, how in the world can I be emotionally neutral? I have to feel what I feel. It's through the process of being with what is what is that I come to a place of emotional resilience and neutrality. The resilience comes because I learned what to do with the emotions. Because I take my emotions as a compass, as an invitation to go in and to understand my own making. That's what it is, in my opinion. When we understand our own making, we view the world around us quite differently and we interact with it quite differently. So the the point I want to make, we don't want to mistake emotional resilience with emotionally closed off. And we don't want to look at emotional neutrality as if it's something to be achieved out of enlightenment. I'm sure that even Dalai Lama or any enlightened being, they have gotten mad. You know what, it reminds me of a story, story of a yogi, a teacher. He went to India and his disciple was with him. So the disciple, the student is thinking, oh my God, this teacher, my guru, my teacher, I'm just going to follow him. He just put put him up on a pedestal and just loved him. And during the conversation or walk in the ashram, the teacher went into the kitchen and the student heard his guru scream at the top of his voice to the cook with something he did. And he thought, oh my God. How, how can how can this this enlightened being this guru this, this yogi can have such a temper so he was so conflicted and confused and the teacher comes out totally laughing because he did not attach onto his emotions it's not that he didn't feel them he didn't identify with it He didn't judge himself because of it. So we have so many misconceptions when it comes to this, right? So go back, go back, go back, untangle back to the basics. What it is that you feel, please feel it. No, it's not pretty to feel it. It's not fun to feel it. Feel it. It's pain in the butt again and again and again. But pain never kills anyone. Pain is that threshold feeling that we go through to get to the other side of it, to get to the other side of being emotionally neutral, being not so emotionally reactive, perhaps understanding the whole bigger picture, perhaps understanding what's going on with you that this is happening to you, a deeper understanding, a deeper healing, right? But without feeling it, we can't get to the other side. We can't bypass the feeling process and talk and mentally be emotionally neutral or emotionally resilient. We have done that. We do that. All of us do that. 
because we haven't learned how to actually thinking something is not the same thing as experiencing or being it. You know, the words like emotionally resilient, emotionally neutral, these are very fascinating and charming and attractive words. So we talk ourselves into thinking, yeah, you know, I'm just neutral. I'm just a neutral person. How in the world can you be a neutral person walking around in the world today? There's so much happening. Just for example, like the gun violence. How do you expect to be emotionally neutral to that? It's not possible. So you have to feel it. You have to feel the pain of it. You have to feel the anger, the frustration of it. We have to be able to bleed for our fellow brothers and sisters. We have, our heart has to break open for other people. Our heart has to break open for ourselves. And I'm sorry, that's not emotional neutrality. There's no emotional neutrality when it comes to things like that. So we have to feel what we feel. We have to feel it deeply so it can process through our system so we can get to a calmer place. Just because we get to a calmer place once doesn't mean we're going to remain there. Life is not like this. Life is like this. Something else is going to come, come, come to our you know, our awareness, our experience. So what happens in this practice being of being human, that each time when we get emotionally triggered, we don't get stuck inside the hole forever. We get triggered, we notice, we feel what we feel. That naturally takes us to becoming um, untriggered or calmer. And we, we may go take a dip in, dive in, and we just come out of it really quickly, really quickly, really quickly. We're just no longer stuck in it, but we feel it. We feel things deeply. Um, that's the way to get to the emotional freedom. And here's the thing, whatever it is that we're experiencing, once we feel what we feel deeply, we are free. We are free. This is emotional freedom. We are not free when we resist it because it, it controls us. Whatever we resist, it controls us. When we open up to it, no one is running and no one, is, no one needs to chase. So that's the topic for today. So if you have any, any, any comments, uh, questions, when you watch this um, at any point, uh, please be sure to put it in the comment section. So what does, what does it mean for you to be emotionally resilient? What does it mean for you to be emotionally neutral? And um, are there any behaviors or patterns that you perhaps are drawn to or addicted to? And how is that playing God in your life? So remember, we talked about addiction. We just, we're not, we're not, we're really broadening the language, broadening the understanding of it. Okay. Um, I can be addicted to what I need to do in the morning. 
I try not to, not that I try not to be, but it's like, you know, life goes up and down. Some people are addicted to that morning coffee. They have to have it. Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? No, it's neither one of that. But we, we are getting something out of a habit, out of a thing that we desire. So that's this broadening the definition of addiction. Um, so yeah, be sure to um, let me know what you got out of this uh, video today. And also, I want to encourage you to get a copy of my book, Wake Up and Heal. Uh, um, the link is below the video. You can get a digital copy and or a paper copy. The link is below. And also, um, please register for the upcoming Intelligence of Emotions free webinar series. We begin on Tuesday. So Tuesday, June 14th, 21st, 28th. It's one hour during lunchtime, 12 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. So register. Even if there's a time conflict, conflict, register anyway, so you can get the replay. And the link is below. So make sure that when you go to the page, you sign up for all three webinars separately. It's a separate Zoom link for all three of them. And I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much. And if you like this content, like. Uh, if you like to subscribe to my channel, please do so. And feel free to share as well. Thank you so much. Again, I'm Mina Puri from Ayurvedic Healing Center. And thank you for being with me. Thank you for watching the video. Until next week, take care.